want to celebrate fathers, and we're thankful for them. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the service earlier, that one of the problems in our society today is a lack of fathers. Fathers not standing up and doing what they're supposed to do. And so if you were raised in a godly home where you have a godly mother and a godly father, then you are very blessed. And be thankful for that. And if you are a father, then live up to the responsibility that you have in being an example to your children and teaching them in the ways of the Lord. And that would help our society and our world a whole lot, uh, just uh, fathers and mothers doing what they're supposed to do. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14, it says, "...follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord." looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We're going to talk this morning about bitterness, if I can get the word out here. Bitterness, and the definition that I have is it's characterized by animosity, harshly reproachful, caustic, disagreeable, to have a sour disposition toward others, other things that's happened, whether real or imagined. I think that we look in our world today and we can see a lot of people that are bitter. And unfortunately, I believe that that has crept into the church where people that are members of the body of Christ have become bitter over the course of time. We need to appreciate what our Lord has done for us. I believe that bitterness takes place over the course of time. That we don't wake up one morning and say, ah, I'm going to be bitter today. I think that things happen to us over the course of time that sometimes allows uh, bitterness to slide into our lives over the course of time. I look at it kind of like poison ivy. I don't know if you recognize the picture, but if you've been out in the wild or, or out in the fields, you know what poison ivy looks like. And you know what poison ivy can do to you. But there is always that occasion when you're walking out on a path, walking out into the field, walking out in the woods, and you say, you with a group of people, is that poison ivy? That, that looks like poison ivy. Is it poison shumac? Is it poison oak? What is it? And sometimes it's not what you think it is. And you walk through it. And then you find out it was what you thought it was. I remember a few years ago, or several years ago now, my wife and I, we went camping with some friends of ours, and I thought that we all went to the same places, that they were behind us most of the time. We came home. Monday they call us up and they say, do you guys have poison ivy? We're covered with poison ivy. Wherever they had gone, I don't know where it was at, but we were all in the same area. They had poison ivy and we didn't. And I think that sometimes that's the difference that we need to understand. When we recognize bitterness for what it is, when we recognize the causes of bitterness, it's easy to avoid. But it's like poison ivy. You may not recognize it at the time, but you recognize it when you got it. You know what happens. i got a picture there for that just in case you forget what happens. You get a rash and you start to itch and you scratch. And sometimes you can be miserable. And sometimes I've seen a lot of people that have swelled up faces. I've seen somebody with an ear that's about twice the size that it normally is. All from poison 
ivy. What does the Bible say about bitterness? In Acts chapter 8, verse 23, it says, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. In that particular passage, it's Simon, who formerly was a sorcerer, who was trying to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit with money. And Peter looked at him and he said, I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. I've often wondered when I read that passage of Scripture, when Simon said that, did he recognize the gall of bitterness in his own life? Did he see that? And unfortunately, I think that many times we don't see the bitterness in our own life. It's easier to see in someone else's. And so it's something that we need to be careful about. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Someone that's bitter. Words are coming out of their mouth and you'll hear the bitterness in the things that they say, the things they talk about, the problems that they have, and how it's grown over the course of time and gotten worse. And so things happen and we talk. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, "...let all bitterness and wrath and anger and glamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice." What's Paul telling us? Telling us that as a Christian... We shouldn't have those things in our life. They shouldn't exist in our lives. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I've said on occasion that I don't understand why that passage of Scripture is there. Husbands should love their wives. Why would they want to be bitter against their husband or against their wives? But obviously it's a possibility. And so as a husband, I have to be on guard for that. And when we love our, love our spouse like we're supposed to, then bitterness isn't going to be there. And in every relationship, there are things that you look over, you ignore, you get along with, you deal with, but you don't want to become bitter. Why? Because it's going to affect that relationship. And that's something that you don't want to hurt. James chapter 3, and verse 11, "...doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter..." Think about your own life, what you say to people out there in the world. Think about the people that you talk to in this life. Do you say good things and then say bad things about the same person? I have known and seen situations where someone comes in, oh, hey, how are you? We're so glad to see you. Love you. And then turn right around and talk about that individual behind their back and say bad things. Those things shouldn't be. But that happens. James chapter 4, verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Don't, don't be happy. Don't be celebrating the fact that you have envy and, and bitter envying and strife in your life. Why? Because as a Christian, we shouldn't have that in our life. And so that's some of the things that the Bible has to say about bitterness. And I call it the poison of bitterness. I know in the Bible it's referred to many times as the root of bitterness. But I call it the poison. Because it is kind of like poison ivy that it affects you. You touch it. it gets, you get involved with it. And then later you reap the consequences of it. And it goes through your whole body. And who hasn't had poison ivy where they've scratched and then touched something else and it spread somewhere else on their body? When we have bitterness in our hearts, it's very easy for it to spread to someone else. 
by the things that we say and do. Not too long ago, well, actually it was a couple years ago now, I preached a sermon about bitterness. And I used in that, exa- in that lesson the example of Naomi. And Naomi had a hard life. She had a difficult time. And in Ruth, the first chapter, we can find that in her life there was a famine. And that her and her husband and, and, and her family moved to, to Egypt or to a foreign place, foreign country. And there where she was at, her husband died. Now, I'm sure that that would be a difficult situation to deal with. You're in a foreign place, you may not know a lot of people, and then your husband dies. But that's not all that happened to Ruth or Naomi. Naomi had two sons and they grew up and they married local women. And then over the course of time, both of those sons died. Now, that would be a bitter pill to swallow, so to speak. And life without a doubt was hard for Naomi. And it finally got to her. It was tough. But listen to what she says in Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Have you ever felt like that? That life was full, everything was going great, wonderful, and now life is empty. No reason to go on. And who does it sound like she's blaming it on? God. You think about that. The Bible tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So we know that we're all, we all have an appointment with death. So for her husband to die shouldn't have been an unnatural thing. It doesn't say that he was murdered or anything like that. It just, we just know that he died. And the same is true with her children. They're going to die. Our, we're all going to die. So why blame God when something like natural happens that we're going to become bitter toward Him? And so there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that we allow to affect us to where we feel like we're empty. Bad events in life, as I said, can be a bitter pill to swallow. And so problems can be a problem that we face which can cause bitterness. But there's other causes for bitterness that are there too. And I think that some of our society, and sometimes in the church, we have a problem with what I'm going to talk about here. And that is pride and arrogance. Where we start to think that we're better than someone else. And I think that we see that in our world today, in our society today. That one group thinks they're better than the other group, this group thinks they're better than that group, and it causes problems. But listen to what I, one of the quotes that I found as I was working on this lesson. Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. And really, that's kind of the heart of the issue. Pride sometimes, i got to be right no matter what. I'm right, you're wrong, that's the end of it. Humility is realizing that God's the one that needs to be right. And we need to submit to His will and do what He wants us to do. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 29, kind of an interesting passage of Scripture. Beginning in verse 17, it says, "...and ye have seen their abominations, and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which, they, which were among them. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations." There should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it came come to pass that he heareth the words of this curse, that he blessed himself in his heart, saying, I will have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my own heart to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smote against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. This individual, or God is talking about people that are worshiping idols, worshiping false gods, and basically he's saying, why don't you let them take care of you? But listen, look at what it says there in the middle of that passage that I read. I will have peace though I walk in my imagination in the imagination of my own heart and add drunkenness to thirst. In other words, what he's saying is that there are people that are going to do their own thing no matter what God says. There are some people that are not going to be told what to do. I'm going to do my own thing and I don't care who disagrees with me. I'm going to walk in my ways and you're going to like it, God. And if you don't like it, well, you haven't struck me dead. And since you haven't struck me dead, it must be alright. And so I'm going to do what I want to do. That's pride and arrogance. Now, we may not say that on a grand stage, but how many of us have that attitude? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Pride will always be the longest distance between two people. You think of the prodigal son and his father. If that young man was lifted up with pride and stayed in that condition you think he would have went home to his father and said, I have sinned? Pride allowed him to go to the pig pen, but it was humility that took him home from the pig pen. Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 16-18, through 18, Make ye mention of the nations. Behold, publish against Jerusalem that watchers come from a far country and give out their voice against the cities of Judah. As keepers of a field, are they against her around about? Because she hath been rebellious against me, saith the Lord. Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reacheth unto thine heart. Listen to people. When they have that attitude, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And you can see the bitterness. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it in their life. Rebellion has all has allowed sin to leave a bitter taste in our hearts. Another reason for bitterness 
that people have is jealousy and selfishness. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Think about the people in this world that look at someone else and say, look what they have. They are so blessed that look at my life. I am so miserable. I don't have anything. They've got everything. I've got nothing. I've always wondered. And maybe you've wondered the same thing. Are those people that you're looking at that are out there and you're saying, look how well off they are. Look how wonderful life is for them. I wonder if they're over there looking at your life and saying, wow, they have a great life. Why is everything so good for them? You ever wondered that? It's sort of like uh, when I hear people say, well, you're better off than so-and-so. How far down the line do you have to go before you find the worst condition in the world? You see, life isn't always as bad as we think that it is. It's easy to remember the negative thing. It's easy to be jealous of someone else and look how well they're blessed and forget how well you are blessed and all the things that God has given to you. And sometimes when I remind people on a personal level of that, they get upset. Yeah, 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 I know that. But, yeah, but. Well, that's the problem. Stop looking at the negative. Look more for the positive. And God has given us plenty. Don't be jealous of someone else. Don't be selfish. God wants us to have peace that passeth all understanding. God wants us to enjoy life. Even though there are things that go wrong in this life, we can still have that spirit of peace in our heart if we will allow it to exist. Don't allow bitterness to poison your soul. Sin is another problem that can cause bitterness. Sin is a bitter poison because it's like poison ivy. You walk through it, everything seems normal. You touch it, it seems normal. But then, guess what? If you got, I read that you got about 20 minutes to get it washed off, the oil washed off. And if you don't get it washed off within those 20 minutes, then you're going to have poison ivy reaction. I also read where if you get it on your clothes, and you take those clothes off and you put them in a drawer, that it can live on your clothes for 10 years. Now when I shared that information with my wife, she's like, well, who would put their clothes back in the drawer without washing them? I said, well, obviously someone does. Why would you put them in there for 10 years and not put them on before that? But that's, that's another issue. But my point is this. When, you, when you're done with poison ivy, it's not done with you. And when you're done with sin... It's not done with you. The devil makes sin look like it's pleasurable. It looks like it's not going to hurt you. Oh, it may have hurt everybody else, but not me. It's not going to hurt me. But sin affects us. Whether we like it or not, there are consequences to it. And many times when people live a sinful life, they become bitter. Deuteronomy chapter 32, 
verses 31 through 33. For their rock is not our rock, even our enemies their enemies, being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and cruel venom of ass. What's it talking about? It's telling us that sin has consequences. And it can be far-reaching. When you think that it's all done, it's not all done. That's why it's important that we take care of sin God's way. And God makes it possible to have our sins washed away by the blood of Christ. All of us are susceptible to the touch of sin. I've known of people who claim they have no reaction to poison ivy. I don't know how true that is. But all of us are affected by sin. Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are all together become unprofitable. Therefore is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace may they not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Brethren, the Bible warns us about sin. It warns us of the consequences of sin. We see how far God had to go so that we could have the forgiveness of sin. There are consequences. And sometimes that sin can lead to us having a bitter life. Looking at it as negative in a negative way. In the bonds of sin, Simon, Paul said, or Peter said, was filled with a gall of bitterness. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 34. That's what sin does to us. It can make us bitter. What impact does it have? Well, the impact is you can see how far it goes. Many years ago, well, a couple years ago actually, I had a lot of poison ivy growing in my backyard. Up some trees around the play area that we had for the kids. And I wanted to get rid of it. And I had seen a program on this old house, how to get rid of poison ivy. Spray it, and then you wait till it dies. <clears throat> but even then, it can still be, uh, you can still get the oils on you. And so they suggested that you wear gloves and long sleeve shirts. So I put on gloves, three layers of gloves to be uh, exact, three layers of rubber gloves. I took long sleeve shirts and I duct taped the, the sleeve to the, ta- uh, to, the, to the gloves. I wore masks. I wore a hoodie. I wore everything covered up so that I wouldn't get poison ivy on me. And the one thing that I noticed, this is one thing that I noticed as I was pulling up all those dead poison ivy plants. The plant may be coming up out of the ground here. 
But when I started pulling and pulling and pulling, the root may end up over here. And they said on this old house, which must be true, that if you don't get the entire root, it'll come back. Think about that with bitterness. How far does that root of bitterness go? How deep does it spread? How hard is it to get out of your heart, out of your soul, out of your life when it becomes implanted? It spreads deep and far. Bitterness disrupts the harmony between brethren. Think about what the Bible has to say about that. God hates sowing discord among brethren. But I want you to listen to what Paul tells us as Christians. He's talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9-10. through 10. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Did you realize that we're all building the family of God? Someone may lay the foundation, but we're all part of that building process. We're part of the family of God, the church. It's not this building. This building is nothing. We are part of the church. And we're building each other up or we're tearing each other down. And he goes on in verse 16 and 17 where he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. But the temple of God is holy, which temple are ye are. What's He telling us? That we're part of that temple. We're part of that building process. We're either building up or we're tearing down. Now, I'm sure that most of us would be concerned about things that go into our body. In fact, if you go to the store nowadays, you'll see people wearing masks because they won't know what certain things that go into their body. We're concerned about certain substances that go into our body. But are we concerned about the things that can cause bitterness to grow in our lives? I say, when all of this started, if we had as much concern about avoiding sin as we did with avoiding COVID-19, this world would be a whole lot different. You think about it. Your own life. Oh, we may not be as serious as we were when it started, but when it started, everybody was kind of concerned. How concerned are you about avoiding the sin that can plague our life? We are the temple of God. Are you building it up or tearing it down? Somebody asked me to preach a sermon like this. 
And so they wanted me to mention uh, people going out and talking about church members out in the world. I mean, talking about church members to the world. Not saying good things about each other. I don't know what they saw. They didn't tell me what they'd heard. But what do we post on Facebook? Social media? What do we say to people that are out there? Imagine talking to somebody that you may know out there in the world, not a member of the church, out in the world, and talking about how terrible so-and-so is at the Ridge Road Church of Christ. And then someone from the Ridge Road Church of Christ who's a soul winner or concerned about souls goes over to that individual and wants to talk to them about Jesus Christ. Sit down and study with that individual when they've already heard about how you're the scum of the earth. What effect do you think that has on that person? I know I'm not behind the microphone, so hopefully you can hear me back. What effect does that have on that person? I think all of us know. I think every single one of us knows. That's why we shouldn't allow bitterness to harbor be harbored in our heart. Bitterness, you can't keep quiet when it's in there. And you don't care who you talk to. And you don't care what you say. You don't care what you type. Do bitterness and jealousy drive us to bring down the work of God? We're the body of Christ. Are you building it up? Or are you tearing it down? Surely that's why God said that there were seven abominable sins. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16-19, through 19, these six things doth God hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, a hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that are swift they are running to mischief, false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. God hates those things. And when you look at that list, you pick one of those things out. Just pick one. And you see if you're not affected by one of the others. Not swift to go into mischief. Well, how are you going to talk down to people, talk bad about people, say nasty things about people, and not be guilty of some of these other things? So what's the solution? Is there a solution? Well, I believe that there's a solution and the Bible gives us that solution. And I started really thinking about it as I was preparing the lesson sheets that I emailed to everyone, which I hope everyone's doing. Uh, but if you're like me, you're kind of behind in doing the lessons. But you're going to get to a point where you're going to realize that there are certain things that God wants us to put away. There are certain things that God does not expect a Christian to have in their lives. He expects us to put away something. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. And I think that as I was working on those lessons, I realized that bitterness is like a poison. That it flows through you 
and causes other problems. Now, those other problems may have already been starting, but bitterness helps to feed them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, beginning, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, let me remind you, this is Paul writing, but he's writing through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is telling him what to write, and this is what God wants us to know. And God, as the Creator of man, when He said, let us breathe, let us make man in our image, He's talking about the Godhead. So the Godhead here is telling us that we should not have these things in our lives. Now, I hear people say, well, yeah, but I'm human. I, you, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what problems I face. No, I don't. But God does. And God says, don't have these things in your life. Put them away. Do you think God knows what He's talking about? I think God knows exactly what He's talking about. And He knows that it's possible for us to put those things away. Verse 32, "...and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you." So God expects me to put certain things away and replace it with something that's good. So instead of talking about my brother to the world, I should be out to the world talking about how good the body of Christ is and why they should want to be a part of it. Instead of tearing down the church, I need to be out telling people why they need to be a part of the building of the church. I need to be being kind to people. I don't know if you've heard some of those radio uh, advertisements or commercials about being kind. I like, I like the commercial. They're very nice. But how many of us practice that? How many of us are tender-hearted and forgiving? You see how bitterness feeds? It feeds wrath. It feeds malice. It feeds all those things that are mentioned in that earlier verse. We are to put it away and replace it with kindness, with tenderheartedness, with forgiveness, with peace and holiness. You cannot have peace with bitterness in your heart. Some people that say, I can't find peace. Well, that's because you've got something in your heart that you don't need. Get rid of it. Put it away. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Think about that. If you don't have peace, you're not holy, you're not going to see God. Very plain. We need to pursue peace and holiness. These qualities are opposite of those that produce bitterness in a person. And so how do we close this out? Well, I want to remind us all that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday. And every single one of us are going to answer for what we have done, how we've lived our life. 
And we can continue to make excuses after excuse after excuse for why we still permit the things in our lives that God says get rid of when we know they should be gone. And we can even see the hurt that it causes ourselves and other people. But as I said in that last lesson sheet on forgiveness, some people do not want to be made well. Some people don't want to be whole. Some people like to stay in the condition that they're in. And the sad reality is they don't have to do that. They can change. God tells us it's possible. But He warns us in 2 Corinthians the 5th chapter, beginning at verse 9, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're going to be judged by the life that we live. We're going to be compared to what the, the, what the Lord wants us to be. And we know from the Scripture what He expects out of all of us. And it is possible with God's help to do what He's told us to do. In Romans chapter 14, verses 10-12, through Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Are you ready for that day? The Lord returned right now, or if your life ended right now, are you ready for that day? Because we're going to be judged by His Word. Jesus said, The Word that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. His Word is going to judge us. How are you measuring up? Jesus tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. He says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So we can put our faith and trust in Him. He teaches us what we need to do. Do we believe the things that He tells us that we need to do? Do we repent of our sins? Because that's another requirement that Jesus puts forth in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And He tells us that we must make that great confession before men that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We see that with the Ethiopian eunuch. And we see what He tells us in Hebrews chapter, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32. That if we'll confess Him before men, He'll confess us before His Father which is in heaven. And then He tells us that we must be buried with Him in baptism. Not Holy Spirit baptism. It's water baptism. Because that's exactly what they did on the day of Pentecost. That's exactly what the Ethiopian eunuch did as they came to water. They said, He said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And so He was buried in that water. And He came up out of that water a new person, a new creature. That's what Romans chapter 6, verses 1-6 through 6 tells us. If you haven't done that, you can do that today. But if you haven't lived as you should as a Christian, we would encourage you to make that relationship right. We'll pray with you and for you if we can. If you need our help, we'll do whatever we can do to help you. But if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.